Sunday Surefire Podcast. I'm your host this week, Aaron Downtown Brown, throwing it down with the commish. Hello, hello. Commish, man. Hey, I gotta I gotta say, we uh we we showed off our depth last week. I, I gotta hand it to you. I think with Captain Carmen on the on the IR and me with the game game day decision, you, you stepped up and definitely appreciate you so going solo last week. Yeah, it was uh, it was a, definitely a new experience for me, uh, just jumping on the podcast on my own, kind of sort of last minute. But you know, I was happy to step up and, and be a, a one man army uh, for one week and hold it down. Definitely glad to have you back alongside me here. Uh, you'll have to excuse my voice here a little bit tonight if I sound a, a little bit creaky. I'm actually dealing with with a, a COVID situation here in my house. Uh, everyone's doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, we're hanging in there. Everyone's just got mild symptoms, but. You know, we uh we went two and a half years in, in my house without anyone contracting COVID, so that's a good run in this world. So we'll take it. And uh, but I'm playing hurt here for you folks tonight. It's that time of year, like draft season's right around the corner. So I'm excited to talk a little bit more redraft content tonight. And uh, nothing will stops this show. We keep the train moving no matter what. That's right. I, I think if we do like an end of the year award ceremony, ceremony, I think you're definitely in the lead for like an iron man award for sure so <laughs> definitely appreciate that that commitment and uh yeah i guess like if you would you asked me a couple years ago if talking to yourself for a good 20 to 30 minutes i had to do it a couple times last season with uh as well uh just kind of just talking to yourself for 20 30 minutes uh was a normal thing i i'd probably think i was crazy but <laughs> now nah, it's definitely fun if, if if it's football you're 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 talking about so um, I guess on, on that note though, I got, I got to clear the air a little bit. You're pretty good. Um, I definitely, it, it was funny to see, you know, we, I think we agreed you revealed some of my yes and no's, uh, to your analysis players as well. Um, I got to clear there with Michael Pittman. I was actually, yes. Um, if you, if you also recall, I, we played each other week one in our, our league. I got, I got pity city up uh in my lineup so i'm definitely a believer in pittman this year okay yeah that occurred to me after the fact and i know i said it on the podcast that if i uh if i messed up any of any of your picks that you were definitely going to let me hear about it so i uh i should have known that that with him sitting there in one of your flex spots coming at me in week one but uh yeah i'm big on pittman this year too i'm glad we're both in lockstep uh we like guys that score a lot of touchdowns and i think uh we don't need to add too much on pittman and we think he's he's uh priced appropriately and he's gonna be helpful to fantasy managers this season yeah, agreed, agreed. But no, you did you did well. You did well. I just had to correct you in there, like you said. Um, but hey, moving on to a couple guys um that we disagreed with. I think I think we were talking before the show. It kind of be kind of be fun to bring a couple of the guy those guys back up. Um, you did mention we did disagree with Stefan Diggs. I was a no, you were a yes. And uh Devontae Adams, I was a yes, you were no. So I thought it would be kind of fun to bring those two guys up. Um last week you kind of heard um you know your side obviously and for the listeners and you kind of kind of showed I was on the other side of the fence with those guys so um without further ado let's let's just kind of hear hear both sides here um I guess I'll start off with Stefan Diggs and you kind of alluded to it I know you brought up Gabriel Davis and I the more I think about you know comparing just Diggs and Adams, they're going very close to each other in a lot of redrafts. They're almost going back to back in some cases. Um, and if you really have um, you know, if you're at the spot where you got to pick between the two, I'm I'm going Adams over Diggs. Um, and it actually part of it is 
the Gabriel Davis factor. I think I kind of relate it to, you know, have you ever been in the market for, um, you know, buying a brand new car? And when I say brand new, I mean like the year the model uh, is made, right? So, you know, you got like 2023s that are out in 2022. And um, I'll have to say, like, I haven't really, I haven't really, you know, I've never really bought a brand new car with the, you know, like that, that year. The closest year it was for me is in 2013. I bought a 2013 and that's because I couldn't get over the value you get over a car that's been out when the newer one is out. Right. So I kind of relate that to Gabriel Davis, Stefan Diggs, you know, on this show, we're saying, hey, you can get Gabriel Davis in like the seventh round. I'm not saying that Gabriel Davis is going to put up identical Stefan Diggs numbers, but I really think like the boom weeks are there and I think he's going to get some decent volume. Um, and I think when you're just comparing between, you know, Diggs and Adams overall is I kind of look at the secondary, right? Like I, I really like having alpha receivers, which I do think Diggs is a great uh, wide receiver. He's shown it. He's definitely had his statistics the last uh, couple of years. Um, but now when I'm looking at like weekend, week out players, and you look at the fact that Hunter Renfro last year with David Carr had over hundred, hundred receptions. I think it's a very good chance. Adams will still put up very solid targets, receptions and, and, and overall numbers. Um, so that's kind of the reason I kind of went Adams over Diggs and the yes and the no. And um, I, I also mentioned just the secondary. I mean, look at the teams in the AFC West. There's really not that many top corners. I mean, I think aside from the signing of a J, um, JC Jackson with the Chargers, so, which I think he is a hometown fan of yours with the, with the Patriots, um, there's not really that many like alpha corners over there in the AFC West. So that's why I really like kind of this consistency. That's a good four games over, um, you know, that I can I can rely on the, that PPR with Adams over Dick. So um, that's just kind of my my brief overall summary between the thinking between those two. I'm not sure your your thoughts with that. Okay, yeah, I that was a lot of volume there, but we'll start with let's start with Diggs, and then let's dive into the the Gabe Davis area specifically before we move on to Adams. Where do you have Gabriel Davis ranked? And we'll call it like a half point, uh, half point PPR league with you know 12 teams. Where do you think he's going to finish this year? WR what? Um, I think in the earlier episode, I, I put him at 15, but I, I, I think he can do better than, than 15, but I put him at 15 this year. Wow. See that, that is just a massive, massive, massive jump in a one year sample size. He's actually coming off back to back WR 54 overall finishes. And he actually played every game in both of those seasons. So it's not like we had a situation where he was kind of blowing up on a points per game basis. He just missed some time. Uh, actually last season on, on a points per game basis, he finished WR 64. And one of the reasons I, I, I'm out on Davis and I, I, I guess out's probably the wrong word. I'm not even out on him. I think his seventh round ADP is perfectly fine. To be honest with you, I have him closer to the back end WR2 range, right on that WR2 high end WR3 borderline because of the offense that he plays in. Uh, Cole Beasley's gone. They kind of, re- they're going to replace that with uh, either Jameson Crowder or Isaiah McKenzie, who's been on the roster for a couple of years now as well. And I think he's, he, uh, Gabriel Davis said is a slotting more into the Emmanuel Sanders role, just a better version of Emmanuel Sanders. So I'm, I'm, I am, I do like him. Uh, you know, the only other time we've even seen a second receiver with Josh Allen be fantasy viable in that Buffalo offense was Cole Beasley, at least highly fantasy viable. He, he finished as WR 27 back in 2020. And that was the year that Diggs went absolutely nuts finishing with WR three overall, his best season of his career. So I'm actually going, you know, going from WR 54 
to WR, let's call it like 24 to 27 range. Like I'm still banking, you know, giving Davis a healthy bump there. And I just still think Diggs is going to be perfectly fine. They gave him that massive contract extension, you know, a team telling you what their actions, that they love the guy and they want to make him a big part of the offense. So that's where I feel on Beasley. Um, anything uh, to add on that front before I move on to Adams? Um, no, I agree with you. I think like the offense, as you said, they're, they're really replicating it year for year. I mean, they got Crowder. He's kind of going to fit in for that Beasley role. So I, I really see guys that are just filling in um, in the spots in that offense, right. With Diggs being the, the clear cut number one. So, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, Gabe Davis being now going to be that two um, as well. The only thing I just have to say about that is you're starting to see a little bit more maturity with Josh Allen. And it just makes me wonder, you know, comparing the, um, you know, 2020 season to 2021, um, is that a, is that a little bit of a, a tale or clue to show what's going to continue to happen? Is Josh Allen going to still continue to spread the ball around more, um, you know, get more of those, you know, third, fourth options, um, the ball and in, in, in scoring opportunities. I think you kind of saw that with Gabe Davis as the number four receiver last year, still getting like 6% reception, the snap ratio. So I think, I honestly think we're going to have closer to like a, a T Higgins, uh, Jamar chase situation where they're demanding about 10% of the ball or 10%. They're going to get the ball in their hands 10% of the time. Um, Diggs already has that last year. So, um, I think it's going to move gravitate to that. And I'm just, you know, talking about the value and where uh, that's just, I, I know I'm super high on, on Davis. Um, you know, I, I've kind of said top 15 is it, like you said, it's, it's, it's a, it's a gut shot. Right. But that's just how, that's how I am forecasting this year with, with the bills offense. So that's kind of just, that's just what I'm thinking on that side of the, of the, of the argument. Yeah, and I'll just put the, the final world of Gabe Davis situation quickly. You know, I know you said that Allen likes to spread the ball around. I think that's the case between his second, third, and fourth string receivers. You know, we saw Sanders, Knox, and Gabriel Davis get a, a spread of the targets a season ago for sure. But I think Diggs is still like the, the far and away target leader. Like he was he was uh, number one in the league in targets in 2020 and number five in the league last year. So like the ball, the ball does get filtered around, but it's to Diggs first and foremost. So I think a lot's going to continue. Um, I do like Davis. I think he's a, a perfectly fine buy at his ADP in the seventh round or so. But uh, we'll see on that one. That'll be a fun one to to carry on with. Now, moving over to Devontae Adams. And I should have said with Dig- this is Diggs as well. Like Diggs' ADP is 12. Adams is 11. So like you said, they're literally back-to-back in, at the end of the first round coming off the board if you want one of these guys. You know, my, my big knock on on, um, on Adams was was a couple things. Like, you know, one, obviously the, the QB downgrade from Rodgers, the only receiver that Rodgers had to throw to, to a crowded situation with the Raiders and, and you know, obviously the downgraded quarterback can go into Derek Carr, who's a, a solid fantasy quarterback, but certainly not on the level that Rodgers has been at, you know, winning back-to-back MVPs over the last couple seasons. And the one thing I didn't really hammer too, too much on last, last week on it was the coaching change. You know, if you look at the Josh McDaniels coming over and his first year as uh, the head coach of the Raiders, you know, we have a big sample size with Josh McDaniels and being a Patriots fan, I got to see him up close and personal for years and years. So I actually went back and I, you know, I'm the stack guy in this program. I pulled some data over the last 10 years. Would you say that's a big sample size, Aaron Brown, 10 years? That's pretty large. Pretty I agree large. with you there. Okay. How many WR ones do you think the Patriots offense in the last 10 years under Josh McDaniels produced? Oh, uh, I, I guess that'd be a zero. I mean, 
trying to think when was rain, that Randy Moss year, but that I guess seven, that, they, so that, didn't, that, was, that didn't qualify. And obviously, that doesn't different receiver than uh, than Adams. There's two guys, and it's, I'll give it to you here. It's uh, it's Wes Welker all the way back in 2012, so the first year of this of, uh, of this sample size. And Julian Edelman did it in 2019, and that was the last season Brady was in New England. And if you remember, he was literally like the only piece on the offense. Like he was the only guy that Brady trusted to throw the ball to because Bill Belichick can't draft a receiver to save his life, and Nikhil Harry was floating around. So I'll uh, I won't get down the won't go down that road again. But you know, both those guys, where where did they play on the field, Aaron? Edelman and Welker. That'd be slot. That would be slot, slot position. And you mentioned the guy who played a lot of slot routes in Vegas last year. Who was that? That'd be Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, you're right. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Hunter Renfro is a better wide receiver than Devontae Adams. Like, I'd be crazy if I were to do that. You know, this argument at all isn't even a knock on a guy like a Devontae Adams you know, as a player. Like, the guy's a stud, and he's been a stud for a long time. But if you look at the target share that he's been accustomed to in the last four seasons there in Rodgers, he's finished no less than second in targets on a per-game basis. And that's just not going to happen in Vegas. I just don't see that coming to fruition with a guy like Hunter Renfro out there playing in the slot. And with a guy like Darren Waller, you know, those guys are both pro bowlers in the last couple of seasons and they're still on their prime. So I think there's just too many mouths to feed. And that's before you get into guys like Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake in the screen game, which was always a big part of the game in, in, uh, in New England under Josh McDaniels. So like Adams a lot, I just think there's it's going to be too crowded of a situation for him to return first round ADP here. So that's where I'm at on Adams. OK, I like that. And definitely coming from a, a Pats fan, I'm going to I'm going to respect that as well um you know i i think you know one thing one big difference maker is looking at the divisions too you know with the afc west with all that movement and uh how we're anticipating that division to, to roll this year it's you know you gotta you gotta score more than 30 points you know you gotta average 30 points per game to win in that division um with um you know with the chargers and chiefs there and then now with russell wilson so I just think the opportunity to volume, I know there's three targets. Um, I think Waller, I, I do agree the slot position and Waller is probably the biggest, um, you know, threat to, to Adams. But I think then again, when you do just compare the DBs in that division, I mean, look, you got Darby and Denver and, and maybe certain juniors, they're top two. You got a rookie in with the chiefs. Um, and you, you know, I guess, like I said, JC Jackson is really the biggest competition for Adams. Um, you know, in that division. So I, I'm a big, you know, when we get into daily fantasy, I'm a big like matchup guy. I really don't think any of them really pose a big threat. Um, you know, two Adams in the, in the matchup game. So I think he's going to be safe. I think he's going to still, you know, get his, get his catches, get his, um, it just it depends on that touchdown game. Right. So if he, um, you know, if he, if he's scoring, which is, that's the, that's the stat that's hard to predict the most in the NFL. Um, that's the, you know, that's the biggest test test to it all. But I think with the amount of catch up, um, or scoring that that division needs, I think, I think both players are, are safe to, to pick, but, uh, that's the reason why I also like, um, Adams as well. It's just kind of the, the individual matchup game. Okay. And the only thing I'll throw out there on that is they, they play Kansas city in week 18. So that's kind of out the window for fantasy. So it's probably really five games in the division and, uh, two of which obviously against Jackson as, as a top corner. Um, but the thing is too, like when a team doesn't have two or one or two like high level cornerbacks, a lot of times what they do is they take the top receiver and they take their second and third, they take their, their second best corner and their best safety. And they just kind of say like, the ball's got to go somewhere else today, fellas. Like they put their best corner on the number two receiver. That's kind of something I've seen the Patriots do forever. Like I said, a Patriots coaching staff 
kind of take it over there in Oakland, so I can, or Vegas rather, so I can kind of see that being the case. But like you said, if Adams hits the, those touchdown metrics, then he can definitely explode and, and return value here. But we'll see how that that, uh, that turns out. All right, all right. That, um, that, was, that was a fun debate. Like I said, I think they're they're close. Like, I mean, I really don't think you can go wrong, but obviously, um, you know, time will tell with the season and maybe, you know, this time next year, there's there was maybe an obvious choice. Um, you know, if they're, if they're 10 and, you know, or 11 and 12 or, you know, nine and 10, as far as top 10 wide receivers, then, um, you know, like I said, you, you didn't go wrong. <laughs> Just kind of, it depends on week, week to week matchups and how, um, you know, how, how they're performing week in week out with the exception of those big, big blow up games. But, um, you know, with that, let's, let's kind of move on from that. We'll kind of get into the heart of our episode a little bit, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll bring up a little bit of news, um, around the league. And this guy I want to bring up here is the one that we brought up a couple times in the show in the off season. And a guy was close to my heart. I've, I've really been a big fan of him, but, um, I, I definitely got to bring up this news and kind of just, um, you know, let's, let's just hash it out here on the on the air here and, and um, see what this does to his ADP and, and, you know, where, where, do, how do we, how do we evaluate this guy? And that guy is uh, Antonio Gibson, right? So, so commission, what do you think of Antonio Gibson now um, having reps with the special teams at practice? Yeah, it's certainly not what you want to hear, you know, that he's out there practicing with the, the punt return team and, and not as a punt returner either. Like if that was the case, we would, it would actually be good news that he's going to have, you know, more touches with the ball in his hand, but he's actually out there blocking. So unless you're in a league where you get points for, for blocking people for any, uh, for any situation, then that's definitely not a good thing. And because typically the guys deeper on the wide receiver and running back depth charts are guys that play special teams. Now I do think that this, there's a good chance that this is probably just a punitive measure from coach Rivera for fumbling deep in their own territory during their preseason game over the weekend. But he is coming off a season where he fumbled six times a year ago. And, you know, for fantasy purposes, when it comes to fumbling, we don't really care about it all that much. The only time we do is when it starts to impact playing time. And the worry here with Gibson is that that's what the case is that we have on our hands here. So he's currently falling at ADP. He has been for almost a week now. Like he was going in the mid to late third round. He's now settling in the, the early part of the fourth round. So this is a guy like we've kind of been all over, I think, in the offseason. So not to toot our own horns on that too much, but. You know, we kind of we have, we've known this that he was probably priced a little bit too high there in round three, and I'll just wrap up my thoughts on Gibson by saying what I've said to you before on this player. You know, he's in a full blown committee, and I get it. That's the NFL now. Like this committee's everywhere. But you know, if you're in a community situation, like you better be the guy either scoring touchdowns or catching passes. And with this being a, a likely a bottom third of the league offense, like I don't think there's going to be a ton of situations where he's scoring a bunch, especially with you know rookie Brian Robinson looking good. It looked like he's going to be a threat at the goal line. And if you're not doing that, you better catch passes. And even though Gibson's a wide receiver in, in college, you know, I think that, you know, McKissick is still on this team and he's locked into that passing down role. You know, he's got a ton of volume in the passing game over the last two seasons with this coaching staff. So he's got that role locked down. And like, this is just a short candle that's getting burned on both ends. Like McKissick in the passing game, Robinson at the goal line. And I just don't see a ton left over with a guy like Antonio Gibson. And if this is a guy that you're going to draft – you know, in the third or fourth round, I just think you're setting yourself up for failure right out of the gate. And it hurts me to say that because I really do like the player and have some shares in Dynasty, but I got to be objective, Aaron Brown. I'm not one of these guys that's just going to say good things about guys because I have I have shares of them. So you know that about me. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, we're keeping it real here with Tony Gibson. I, I loved him. You know, he's definitely like a, a good story. You love seeing those guys, especially in fantasy, that can just 
come up out of nowhere. You know, I think he started fourth on the depth chart his rookie year and showed so many flashes. He, he, you know, he watching him play. I mean, he, he's got some stats out there that he's, you know, he's one of the best, you know, missed tackle backs in the, in the league, right. That'll make you miss. So it, it's a shame to see it for sure. Like I said, uh, like you said, actually, hopefully it's a, like a punitive thing where maybe they're just trying to teach him a lesson. Um, but at the same time, if you got, if you're getting paid millions of dollars as a head coach and you're, you're sticking your neck out on the line, you know, for guys like Ron Revere made a big choice, moving him up in the depth chart, taking him from a wide receiver to a running back. And the dude's fumbling all the time in a position that's not his natural position. It doesn't look good as a head coach. And he could be on a hot seat this year. Um, he's probably thinking, Hey, I don't want to lose my job from this decision just, um, for this. So unfortunately I think that's, that could be going on if I'm, you know, thinking about it a little, little deeper there. Um, but yeah, no, you, you definitely want to see it like a turnaround with it. Cause he's been a league winner for folks. He's been a top 12 back two years in a row. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely monitor it, keep people updated, but, uh, it definitely, um, you know, he'll, his ADP will definitely drop and it, it, we're seeing it right now too. So especially if, you know, waiting for your, your drafts in weeks to come, um, even more of a reason to be out on, on Gibson. Yeah. It just feels like the only thing that'll really salvage his value and put it back to where it was just a couple of weeks ago is a trade, which I don't know will be, if that's going to be in the works or not, but we'll see, you know, maybe a contending team falls out of, uh, our contending team loses a starting running back or maybe a backup running back as well. And he can kind of catch on with someone else, but I, I'm just not, I'm staying away from Antonio Gibson firmly at his fourth round ADP. Yeah. If only that's a funny, that's a funny point you made actually. If only there was a running back in the league that can, that's a pretty good runner and catch the ball. Um, he, he could be injury prone, but he has a, you know, it's a team, a winning team uh, that may be out of a, a starting running back. Right. And, Who's this player? I mean, if that fantasy does happen, I mean, there is could that be a trade with this team? Does it make sense? Is uh, can can you guess who I'm bringing up uh, with those clues? Who is this next Alvin player? Kamara? Alvin Kamara. Yes, yes. So, um, you know, when you when you mention a, a team that, um, or a player actually that I I think we've stayed completely away from. We just don't know where to draft him you know it's been very um it's interesting story you know it did not look good everything that's out there um you know you're talking there's like you know we're talking like video evidence of of this this uh skirmish he got in in, in vegas during the pro bowl week right um what's your thoughts with alvin Kamara on that situation and where the heck do you begin with drafting him um in a redraft league yeah, so it's a complicated situation from a legal perspective. Like you mentioned, obviously, you know, it was an act of violence. You can look at the video and it's pretty brutal. And it's definitely not something that we could do on this program or that you really want to see from an NFL player or anyone in any walk of life, really. So it was a really unfortunate incident. And that's putting it lightly for, for Alvin and the league. And you know, there's likely going to be some repercussions from it down the coming down the pike at some point. Now, it seems like th that hearing uh, for that uh, uh, offense that he's alleged to have committed it just keeps getting pushed back further and further. And, and now it's been pushed back again. And now the belief is that it's likely that he will be suspended for the, during the 2023 season for this, for this incident. And that's great news for fantasy redraft managers. And actually, you know, I'm a guy who's all in on Alvin Kamara at his current ADP, which is right in the middle of round two. He's ADP number 19 
overall at the moment. And I would absolutely love to grab gobble up a share of him right there. I do think with this news coming out that he's going to creep up a little bit closer to the back end of the first round. And I would tell you that like, if I was on the turn, I'd have absolutely no problem grabbing him in round one. Like if I'm drafting at 111 or 112, like he's sitting there for me, like I can, if I can scarf him up, I can grab him alongside like a Swift or a Mixon, maybe one of the top wide receivers, like a Diggs that I really like, obviously. Um, I just think the guy's a true, a true league winner. And if you're getting that discount, it's all the better. Like he would, he's a guy who would be in the mix with the top four running backs at the top, obviously Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, and Eckler, if not for this hanging over his head. And if you look back at last season, I know Breeze wasn't there, but you know, in weeks one through eight, which were the games that Winston started, Kamar was tied with the third in the league in points per game over that time frame. So this is a guy who really is a difference maker. Uh, you know, he's a beast. And he did miss a little bit of time last week with four weeks, but he still finished RB8 overall. And he was the only RB that missed that much time to finish in the top 14. Like the guy still gets it done. Even age 27, like we're not worried about his dynasty value or anything like that here. So we're just we're just focused on this season. So I always say don't lose your draft in round one. And the only way that really happens here is if he's suspended for six games at the end and he misses your playoffs. But this is a guy I'll make an exception for. He's a true game changer and he's a point machine that I want to start my team with, particularly if I can get a, st- a stud that I draft right before him or right after him in my redraft leagues this year. Here, here's my thoughts here with with Kamara and I think I think you hit it on the nose too like if you're that 11th or 12th pick in in round one right in a in a redraft league and you want to go running back you know that's usually the traditional approach to go in in round one and you know and we always preach tears um you know and Chase has gone Cup has gone Henry's gone McCaffrey's gone all those guys and Kamara is just staring at you at, at the board at you know pick 11 um, you know, one strategy you can do if you if your guy like you're you're you know year in year out, you take that running back round one. What you could do is draft Kamara, take take a little bit of the gamble. I mean, we you already know a little bit of, of evidence that his court date's getting pushed out. Um, you're gonna get him a couple games for sure, and you know early season. What you probably do is you you probably towards the end of the draft when we're you know we're dart throwing out there, just pick up Mark Ingram. Right. I think it's it, there's enough reports out there that he's the clear cut too. now. Um, I think that's probably the smartest handcuff to do if you pick up Camaro, too. So I think that could be a smart strategy, especially in your, you're in those rounds and nobody else is going to grab Ingram. Right. So you can save him towards towards the end, uh, most likely. And if you want, you know, grab him maybe a round earlier than what you you know, where he could possibly go. Um, or depending on how your your board is looking, but you know maybe that's the strategy you go with, right? So maybe you go Camaro and you 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 handcuff him with Ingram in the later rounds. I think that's an approach that you could certainly take if you wanted to use a later round pick on a guy like a Mark Ingram. But the other thing you could do as well is you could you know if you take this guy, you're doing it in rounds one or two, so you know that 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 this possibility of him leaving you at some point is, is very real. So that kind of can alter the way that you attack the remainder of your draft. So it's good that you're drafting early because now you know, like, okay, maybe if I if I have a wide receiver on a running back I like later, maybe I'll lean towards a running back. I think that guy's going to hit because it kind of gives me some insulation there. So that's good to know. The other thing that's important to note here as well is the Saints traded their 2023 first-round pick to the Eagles. So this team, like, they want to win. Like, we might look at their roster and think, like, okay, like, you're all right, but you're not that great. But the Saints, like, they, like, they, don't, they don't agree. Like, they've done it with their actions. They trade away their future first-round pick for a selection last year. So they're in it to win it. Like Alvin Kamara is their best, their best offensive player. Like who else do they have? Like, okay. Like Jared Landry has been around for a while. He's not bad, but he's not a stud. 
they have Michael Thomas, who hasn't played football in two years. And Chris Olave is a guy that I know you like a lot, and I'm high on as well. But you know, is that a guy you can run an offense through in year one? Like, the answer is we don't know. So we'll see. Like, they have Alvin Kamara in the mix here. He was productive last season. Like, I'm just all systems go on Kamara this season, especially if I can get him any sort of round two discount. Like, just give me that all day, and I'll gobble it up. And I'll, and I'll be in a better spot at leaving the draft than the rest of my leeway mates will be at exiting rounds one and two if I can do that. Kamish. $6,000. Do you know what this number is? Is that his uh, week one uh, cash cash value for uh, DK? <laughs> no, that's actually a very good guess because that's kind of close. But it was $6,000. You said, you know, a, te- a contending team. I saw that uh, someone in Vegas dropped 6000 on James Winston winning MVP this year. Okay. What are the odds? And uh, – it was like six thousand to win. Oh my gosh! I I got I got to remember. Is like was it like three hundred thousand or thirty thousand? So I, I got I got to look at it. But it was like six thousand to win an ungodly amount on James winning Winston winning MVP. Where we're seeing that it's like a, it's a quarterback award these days to one of a you know if you're a division leader, pretty much right. So I think to your point, they're a contending team. And here's another thing think about is you got to think the coaching staff probably knows in the back of their head that maybe their days are short with them. They're not going to be pretty, you know, that skirmish on his rushing attempts and, you know, possibly, right. They're not going to be, they possibly might not be saving him if they know like a a suspension is coming or whatever, they're going to work him. In my opinion, last year he had the most touches he's he's ever had in a season. Um, And that probably won't go away, especially early in the season when they, they might say, Hey, well, let's use them while we have them. Right. So, Sure. Um, I agree with you there. Yeah, and the last thing I'll put I'll throw out there about Kamara is like the, the Saints coaching staff is a holdover coaching staff. Like Sean Payton left, sure, but they made an internal hire. Dennis Allen was the defensive coordinator last season, and they retained the their offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael Jr., who's been on the job since 2009. Like I haven't done like research to see who the longest tenured OC in the league is, but it has to be him. Like so, this offense isn't changing all that much. Like we've seen a million running backs be productive in this offense, including Alvin Kamara as recently as last season. So just keep just I, I've said every, all I'm going to say about him. Just just give me him at his ADP all day, and I'll live with the results. All right, all right, I like it. Definitely like it. In agreement there. Um, let's move on to some preseason head to head matchups, right? So some guys that are kind of competing for either to move up on the depth chart to take a starting role, um, or just say, say hey, who's the head honcho here, right? Um. One of them being an offseason acquisition with Baker Mayfield to Carolina, right? So let's look at his matchup, Baker and Darnold. How do you feel about this competition at uh, a QB over here in Carolina, and what and what does that mean in uh, for fantasy? Uh, I think it's a gross, uh, a, gr- a gross camp battle on a, a team that's not going to be all that great. But I'll give you my thoughts on it. But I want you to go first here. I want to I want to hear what Aaron Downtown Brown has to say about the Baker versus Darnold uh, camp battle. <laughs> All right. All right. So I got two sides of my brain, right? I, I, I say this sometimes in daily fantasy, right? So two sides of my, my brain going here and my football side of my, my brain, like the football fan, um, you know, just the, the football watcher thinks that Baker should probably win the job. And I, I feel like Baker will put the team in better positions than Darnold um, will for the team, like to, to win. Right. So I think Baker's the right choice. Um, but actually, to tell you the truth, on the other side of my brain is the fantasy brain. And I think Darnold, actually, I would rather like to see 
start over Baker. Uh, I know they have him right now, number one on the depth chart. And then I think that's just simply because his rushing ability is a little bit better. He, he did have a couple weeks. I think he had two top five weeks last year to show you. I mean, the Panthers actually started off pretty hot when they had CMC healthy. Um, you know, Darnold was running around, do some have, making some plays actually, right? So I think the fantasy side of my brain says I want Darnold. Both guys, I, I think people are staying away from in drafts. So it's like a guy you can stream, pick up on a week. You know, once you figure out who the starter is on week one, or, you know, if you just got a bench spot or, or something, you want to swap somebody out, like figure out who that starter is and, and then nab them there. Um, so that's why I sort of like that situation, especially if you only go like one QB in, in, in your draft and you're not too worried about quarterbacks. Um, that's kind of just my overall thinking is like, hey, I'm a football watcher. I think Baker um, will give him, you know, will probably lead him to better success. Darnold, I want on my fantasy roster. So I'm, I'm not sure your thoughts there. Yeah, I hear where you're coming from. And that's a battle I think all analysts kind of go back and forth on. Obviously, we're, we're fans of regular football. And we try to over, overlap that and see you know, how does the real football aspects correlate over to the fantasy game, which is you know what we care about. So there's sure, there certainly is an element of that, I think. But, you know, at this point, like if you look at Matt Rule, I think I haven't looked this up. I, I would feel like if you look at the betting odds for the, the first coach to lose their job this year, in all likelihood, it's going to be Matt Rule. Like I would, I'd be feeling pretty confident in that bet. So this guy's got to save his job. He rolled with Sam Darnold a season ago, and I think at this point, like the experiment with Darnold's over. Like he's four years in. I think he's, it's pretty clear he's probably just a backup, despite that that little sugar high start, the three and zero start they got off to last season, which turned out to be fool's gold. You know, I think he Darnold knows the offense, so like they're better they're better off with him to win like week one maybe. But I think in the long run, like Baker Baker needs to take this job over, and you know, if they have any aspirations of, of this coaching staff keeping their job. And what I'm annoyed with here with this is why it took so long for the Panthers Panthers to close on this trade. Like, Big, Baker was traded on July 6th, which means that he lost a ton of valuable time learning the playbook, creating chemistry with guys like DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall, Robbie Anderson, and CMC coming back from injury. Like, so that's like four months right there that are just out the window. You consider the league end, league year starts in the middle of March. So unless the Browns are just asking a, just a, a massively unreasonable price for Baker prior to the or after the Deshaun Watson signing like I just I just don't know what they were really doing here and all in all I think the Panthers are better off just seeing what they have in Baker Mayfield and they'll just kind of go from there and figure it out like oh if it doesn't work out the coach is going to lose his job they'll start over and they can try again in the 2023 draft with a, a new crop of prospects popping up that's going to be pretty tantalizing so that's where I'm at in the on the disgusting Baker versus Darnold conversation <laughs> yeah I'm with you I think we're overall in agreement. you know one thing I'll have to admit, I haven't given it like too much depth, <laughs> depth thought. Cause like you said, it's kind of a little ick, you know? Um, I did mention, you know, the quarterback wise and fantasy, I mentioned Darnold, but here's another avenue is if you're a, uh, if you're a CMC owner, you probably want Baker as well. Cause I think Baker would, is more likely to check down to CMC more often um, than Darnold taking off and running too. So that's like another aspect where, Probably if you're a CMC owner, you'd probably love uh, Baker in that um, that respect as well. It just came to me, but that's that's one other tidbit to say as well. Yeah, we saw him do some nice things with Kareem Hunt. And, you know, like you said, the, was Christian McCaffrey there? The guy's a machine out of the backfield catching the ball. So I think the best their best shot to win games is to keep it simple. You know, whoever, whoever wins this battle is to get the ball out of Baker or Darnold's hands quickly, get it to the playmakers like DJ Moore, 
Christian McCaffrey, those other guys when they can. And I just, uh, you know, I just think it's going to be a slog of a season for the Panthers. They kind of just seem like one of those franchises that's constantly just stuck in the middle where they can never really find a franchise quarterback, except for like Cam Newton for a couple seasons. But yeah, just overall, I think that team's going to be a mess and Matt Rule's going to be the first guy out the door this season. All right. All right. So yeah, you heard it there. I've seen that prop, that prop bet too. So there's a little tidbit, all you betters out there, maybe, maybe throw a little bit of cash on Matt Rule losing his job first in the season. So um, moving on here, the next guy, I think we want to, or next couple, we want (laughs) to, wanted to talk about, and this was a a fun off season debate. I know we've, we've debated it in, in our group chats and, you know, other leagues. And I think even in, in Facebook, chats and, and stuff like that like who is the number one in denver is it judy is it sutton i think this is a fun one to talk about um you know i think a few weeks back carmen and i really like tim patrick um unfortunately you know he is out of the mix there with that that season ending injury so now it truly is now you can't really even throw any caveat or any other um thing into the mix where is it going to be judy is it going to be Sutton, or is it going to be a little mixture of the both so um I'll let you kind of uh, start off with your thoughts there with Judy Judy Sutton debate. Yeah, this is a really tough one for me because I really, really like both players for very different reasons. They're stylistically, they're extremely different, but I like them both here. And they're both guys that dealt with injuries in previous seasons, but are healthy now. And I like you mentioned the injury to Tim Patrick. I think that actually helps Sutton a little bit more just based on the, like, the body type of Patrick as another big bodied outside receiver like Cleveland Sutton. So I think that, leans a little bit more in Sutton's favor as well. I think this entire discussion just reeks of one where like one of them is going to finish WR 15 and the other one's going to finish WR 16. And the difference is going to be like two and a half points. And we're just, we're just <laughs> spending all this time splitting hairs for no reason. Like it just reeks of that, but no, that's the job here. We'll, uh, we'll split those hairs and we'll tell you which one to plant your flag on. So I'll take Corlton Sutton straight up here. If given the chart, the choice in redraft, you know, he, we've seen him actually do it in the NFL in the past. He has an 1100 yard season on his resume back in 2019. And that was with, uh, some bumps playing quarterback, like three terrible quarterbacks. Aaron, I will give you $100. I will demo you $100 right now if you can, in the next 10 seconds, tell me the three quarterbacks that he caught passes from in 2019. Who are they? Oh, geez. What is it? Keenum? Nope. Uh, oh, not Keenum? All right, I'm out already. You're, you're already <laughs> Who are the three? <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you here. Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, and Brandon Allen. Okay. So he had put up 1,100 yards with those th- collection of bums throwing them the football. So Obviously, Russell Wilson is, is a massive upgrade to all three of those guys combined on their best day. And just given his downfield style, Sutton that is, like, I think he fits perfectly with a guy like Russell Wilson, who also likes to air out the ball down the field. So Sutton, to me, he, he's a better version of Tyler Lockett and not quite as good as a DK Metcalf. But if he's a light version of DK Metcalf, like, I'm all in on that. Like, we saw DK explode for, for, for 1,500 yards and the double-digit touchdowns a couple of times in his, in his career. So if Sutton's anywhere close to that, like, They'll look out. He's going to finish as a top eight receiver for sure. Now, if you combine those two players, you're, it's, it's a lock to be a number one receiver. Now, I could see Judy leading this team in targets. I think he has that quick area ability to get open, which is great. Like, you know, so those guys kind of they they do their work between the twenties. I just don't know if he's going to have a ton of viability in the red zone. Now, they've in the last two seasons, like Judy's played more games than Sutton, and Sutton actually has more red zone targets. Now, what I will say here, the one caveat on that is, like I said, the regime in Denver was a mess. So, like, if you look – so you can say that for Sutton on the Judy side of it. You could say that, you know, with both he and Sutton were on the field, that Judy saw more targets and, you know, targets are earned and all that, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, like, this is a new – this is a new head coach 
this is a new quarterback, it's a new offensive coordinator. Hell, it's even a different ownership group in Denver. Like, so I would argue that all this, all the stats, no matter which one favors who, are kind of out the window in this situation. It really is a fresh start for both of these guys with everything being different around them. So I really like both players, but you know, if you look at their ADP, Sutton's currently going with 55 and Judy's 57. So it's literally a pick them right there in the middle of round five. So I'm putting my chips on Sutton. I think he's just has the massive touchdown upside. And I think that if everything clicks well in year one, I could just see him visiting that end zone frequently, particularly in that, you know, that daunting AFC West where they got to throw it around the yard. So what do you think on uh, the Sutton versus Judy debate? Yeah, no, it <laughs> it's funny here. Without Captain Carmen on the show, we're not adding this di- this bannering dynamic because it, it it does seem like it's another scenario we're we're agreeing with. Um, I'm also a Sutton fan. I think for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I think you mentioned too. We've seen Sutton perform. Um, and his 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 year, he was not injured. Uh, as much right. So. Um, also Russell Wilson, part of the reason he liked going to Denver, you know, part of this match was, um, you know, he, the, the ability to call his own shots, right? Like his play style, um, is what he wanted to do. Kind of sort of like a Brady contract. He Brady wanted to call a little bit more of the offense. I think, you know, they, as you mentioned with the new regime, they're going to, they're going to give a little trust to Russell Wilson as well. And Hey, what is Russell Wilson's strengths? And I think you mentioned this as well as the long boy. It was one of the best deep balls in the league. And he doesn't really – here's the thing is he's either throwing a long ball. Uh, well, I will say like fantasy viable options is either a long ball, long um, touchdowns he's scoring, or, or even just the medium route. So it's either mid to long. And then his dink and dunks are usually um, to tight ends and running backs if, if you really look at it. His, really, when you look at his breakout wide receivers with DK and Tyler Lockett are those huge – 30, 40 um, yard plays, right? So I think that does play into Sutton's um, favor a little bit more opposed to Judy. Um, I mean, like you said, I mean, the, if it was an offense that, you know, just matriculates the ball down the field, then maybe it would be Judy's win. But I think Russell Wilson's play style, I think, you know, I, um, I think Albert O is going to get involved. I think Devante um, is going to get some screens, stuff like that. He's going to run it a little bit, but then, yeah, that deep ball, I think, it, it goes in Sutton's favor with that big body, which you've kind of seen Russell gravitate towards in the past too. So I also like Sutton over Judy. And I also just want to see Judy prove it, right? Like he said, like he was one of the top prospects out of college, but he's had issues. He's, uh, you know, with drop passes, like, you know, that's another one where fantasy owners don't really care about drop passes too much, but um, you know, really it's, it's frustrating for the player and, 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 and the teams too, right? Like that, that is like a hidden stat that, you know, it doesn't move the chains, right? It doesn't give you more opportunities, right? If you're dropping passes. So um, for some of those reasons, I, I, I agree with you. I'm kind of more of a Sutton fan uh, than Judy. Cause I, I too would rather have him maybe if, if I have to pick either one of them to be, you know, I think where we're mentioned where they're getting drafted at is either like a flex, either a, possibly a high wide receiver two, depending on your strategy or just like a flex play. I'd rather go with the Sutton in the in the touchdown um, upside with, with Sutton there. So that that's my thoughts as well. Yeah, and if I'm going to play the Captain Carmer, I'll really get on one of these guys for something. It's going to be Judy, just for one of the reasons you mentioned, and that's that he hasn't done it yet. Like, dude, you were the 15th pick in the draft two years ago. I know he had the high ankle injury last year, but, like, that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help the team if you get hurt. So there's no more excuses for him. Like, it's time to start living up to that draft pedigree. And if he doesn't, like, he might be he might be out of there in a year or two. Like, you know, the, like I said, they gas the entire regime. So – 
Like it, draft draft capital is kind of out the window here when it's a new coach and a new quarterback and different ownership. So like Jerry Judy is, is really is on notice. I'm still high on the guy. I think he's going to do good things in fantasy, but no, he has to prove it this year or he's going to be in trouble. So that's where I'm at on the Sutton versus Judy debate. Well, that's that'll be another fun one that kind of goes back and forth between the, yeah. the dynasty communities all season. I agree. I, you know, I will say one guy that comes to mind a little bit that it may reemerge. You might see a little bit of a comeback with, and, you know, once again, we don't like to see injuries occur, but it does create opportunities for other players. And that's like KJ Hamler. So, you know, we didn't mention uh, Judy having injury issues. And um, I, I'm really interested to see if Hamler makes a nice um, comeback after his injury. He's a speedy guy, right? That can um, be involved a little bit, maybe a sneaky guy more in, uh, you know, maybe, may, you know, we're talking redraft. So maybe if you really got to get deep or, you know, later in our season with our daily fantasy, it could be an interesting guy too. So I want to, I also want to keep my eye on uh, KJ Hamlin in that, that offense too. Yeah. He's a guy you can look at late if you want a shot on him, you know, with the speed, but he's another guy who needs to do it this year too. Like he's also walking into year three and didn't do anything as a rookie in 13 games. I want to say it was an ACL injury he suffered last season, which obviously derailed the entire campaign. Like he's a bad year away from getting cut, I think. And uh, so that's what kind of where I'm at on, on Hamler. I won't have any shares of him, but we'll see. He's not very dead, dead and buried yet either. But let's uh let's move on to our next our, our last topic here, and that's uh, that's trading. And we're gonna hammer this home from a, a trading in a redraft league. And you know we we we're, we do a lot of dynasty on the show, and there's a lot more trading in dynasty formats compared to redraft leagues. And that's pretty simply because there are just different types of assets available in dynasty between you know first round picks, second round picks, third round picks, like in future years as well, not just for the next crop, but you can. You know, if you got your eyes on the 2025 class, then you can go and grab those picks from people. You know, you could sell your players for that. But the goals in Dynasty are very different. Like, if you're, you might be trying to win now, but you also might be rebuilding for the future. So you don't necessarily want players that are going to produce a ton of points right away. But, you know, in redraft, that's not the case. Like, you're in it to win it every single year. And when the goals are, are aligned for everybody, everyone has that, you know, that mindset of I want to win. Like, it's harder to make trades because – you know, no one, no one wants to lose a trade. Everyone wants good players on their team. And there's just not, you know, there's always a, uh, you know, a need for good players out there. And there's never enough demand, never enough supply rather to satisfy the demand. So I'll talk, kind of talk about a few different avenues here. Like though, the preferred trade I like to make in dynasty in, uh, in redraft leagues rather goes, you know, when I'm a true contender and, you know, Maybe I listen to this podcast and I crush my draft, obviously. Um, so now I, you know, I'm we're into the season I'm crushing my league. And, you know, I, I now I'm going to go look at teams that are kind of towards the bottom of the standings and really need to get 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 going winning some games if they're going to contend for the playoffs at the end. And so what I'll do there is I'll take my my bench guys and I'll, I'll try to see if I can take two of those guys, maybe even like my last starter and kind of shove two of those guys at one of those other managers who do have a stutter two on their team and see if I can pull off a two for one. And typically redraft managers don't like to make this type of deal. But like, let's face it. If you're if you're a team that has injuries piling up and the losses are starting to rack up as well, like maybe you're, uh, you know, maybe you're going to be willing to move on for a stud for two quality starters if what you're doing isn't working. You know, if you can fill holes, like that's a way to at least give yourself a shot, especially if those guys have some upside that you're acquiring. So last season, I, I have an example of this. I, I made this trade with a team who, in that situation, he was really thin at running back. I was able to flip him, David Montgomery, and Chase Claypool in the middle of the season for Justin Jefferson, and. Obviously, that move paid big dividends for me. You know, Claypool never really got going despite some having some talent. 
you know, Montgomery had some nice weeks, but, you know, with the, with the, a ton of, ro- of uh, roster depth at the running back position, it was a, you know, a type of move that I was able to make and kind of upgrade massively at the wide receiver position. And, you know, that's kind of what you're looking for if, if things line up for you to, uh, you know, to, to kind of upgrade your starting lineup by using a couple of different depth guys to do that. So that's one thing that I like to do. Uh, I have a few more points on trading in redraft leagues as well, but I'm, I'm curious to see, like, what's your – when you attack a redraft league, a trade in a redraft league, Aaron, downtown, Brown, like, what are you looking to do? How are you looking to get that done in the redraft? I wrote down one very specific point on this, and uh, I think this is this has worked for me. And the the simple thing is go for your need, right? Like, if you have an obvious weak spot in your lineup, what has always worked for me is forget the draft, right? Forget the ADPs, all that stuff. I know it's very important during the draft process, right? But when the season actually starts to get going, you may, what I have seen work is if, if you have your, your weakest link, and it's funny you brought up David Montgomery because I've, I've used him a couple scenarios and a couple different years where he's an intriguing enough player for other owners that, you know, and his values there that, you may be able to pull off some, some decent trades and actually some that, you know, some other um, players in the league may look at you goofy with, but like, you know, this is where I say like, go for a gamble. Right. So like, if you have a situation where maybe you're okay with trading a David Montgomery, because you, you, you hit on a late running back later, let's say you drafted like um, Rashad Penny, right. Let's just say like Rashad Penny is tearing it up. He's RB one. He's starting every week. He's actually, you know, producing for you, but like you during your draft, he was going to be your bench player, right? Like you can, I almost say do the opposite sometimes and take a stab at trading like a Montgomery. That's maybe driving you crazy. Like once you actually start watching the games, you see how they're maybe using them. You don't like his boomer bust value, like get a guy that's like, um, you know, cancer on your team off your team and go for wherever your weakest link is. Right. So maybe that's where, you know, in the draft, you don't you might want not want to go wide receiver over running back. But maybe here trade Montgomery and get a high profile running uh, wide receiver because you can throw Penny in your lineup. That's tearing it up. Right. That's if you've already hit on a guy, something like that. So what I wrote down is really go for your weakest length and and then throw your ADPs and stuff out the window at that point, because then what really matters is how the guys are performing, how they can use your team dynamic is really important too. like your consistency, how your players are actually putting up points. You know, the boomer bus guys are fun to have, but usually like for me, I usually like having them like my last flex, my boomer bus guys. Right. So um, I like, you know, even if you want to, you know, get a quarterback, right. Like really upgrade, get a top tier quarterback, right. Like that's where maybe you might catch a guy who can't get over like ADPs and values that you might be able to pull off a trade like that. Um, that really helps your team. That's when you really just look at your team individual. What's your weakest link and try to get a trade like that. And you're actually, the league might look at you funny, but it's improving your team um, individually. Yeah. Some good points in there for sure. And I'll just jump in with a couple of mine here to kind of close that out. And you know, that's the, like the timing on trading. When's the best time for you to, to make these deals. And you know, the, when I'm, when I say it obviously it depends on your situation. Like if you're looking to buy low on a player who's underperforming, you know, the, the time to do that is like in the first month of the season. You know, maybe you have, say, a wide receiver, for example. Maybe the targets are coming, but maybe they see a couple of drop issues, but he's still running all those routes. Maybe some fluky things pop off, maybe a short-term injury. 
like he rolls his ankle, you know, not not like a high ankle or anything, but just, he's going to miss a game or two. You know, so maybe like the, there's some good positive signs if you look past the raw point totals, but you're kind of you identify that. But maybe the manager who has him is one and three, and they're kind of like, all right, well, this guy's not cutting it for me, so I need to make make some moves here and, and, uh, and mix up, change the mix a little bit. So I have one example of a trade I made last season in another redraft league, and that was Tim Patrick for T Higgins. And I did that right around the week week four of last season. And you know, the dynasty manager in you, Aaron, is is you see the alarm bells going off. <laughs> and, you, know, you saw like the, the finish that the, that the season that Higgins had, and you know obviously he went nuclear in the playoffs. He finished as I want to say he was the back end WR one of the season, but at the time the deal was made, like Tim Patrick was actually had a couple, had a couple of really strong games. You know, he had outperformed T Higgins at that point. Higgins was injured, like he hadn't really been getting it done. So if you used a, a relatively early redraft pick on T Higgins, like you weren't happy with him in September. But you know there was a case of me just kind of seeing through. I'm like, okay, this guy was a big part of their offense last year. Oh, Joe Burrow is coming back from an ACL injury. He's going to be better as the season goes. So, and that ended up being the case. And obviously I didn't project him going for, you know, 50 points in the semifinals or whatever it was, but I, I loved having that in my lineup and I wrote him to a championship in a league. So those are the type of deals that you kind of need to be mindful of early in the season when you think something might not be going a player's way, but you kind of have that uh, an inkling that it's going to turn around for them. And the other portion here is like, you know, when, you know, when to make that decision. Like some owners are just going to offer you They'll string you along with junk offers like for a couple of weeks straight here. And if you're not happy with it, just don't accept it. Like if it's not close, don't even counter it. Or if it's in the neighborhood, maybe counter it, make it a little more favorable to you. Uh, but if you can't work something out that's fair for both sides or a trade that you're going to win, then just be patient. Like don't take it. You know, eventually your trade deadline is going to roll around. And it's important to remember here that eventually your trade deadline is going to ro- roll around. And that's when everyone's cards really are on the table. So at this point, we're deep into the season. I want to say it's usually like week 11 or 12 or so, maybe even a little bit later. So we know what everyone's team needs. Like we're at the stage of the season where we have, it's kind of been played out somewhat, you know, at this, at this range, like we're not playing a, a, a 17 week season anymore. Like now we're just care. We're all be careful. It's the last five or six weeks or so. So at this point, buys are done. So like we don't care as much about depth. We want to kind of maximize the points that are available to us and our starting lineups. And this is the time to look at the rest of, of your, of the, the league schedules as well. So like we can project here in mid August, like who we think the bad run and past defenses are going to be. But some teams are going to surprise us. There's going to be some teams that we think are weak against the run, and and they may end up having a great run defense. Maybe they have a rookie or two that panned off, or a good free agent signing we didn't see coming. You know, maybe like a couple teams that have really two, maybe two lockdown quarterbacks right now. Maybe those guys go down. Now they're being replaced with guys that that aren't that good, and so now they're all of a sudden a team that's leaking in the secondary. So by the time mid November rolls around, we kind of have an idea of, of who those teams are. So that's why it might it sometimes does behoove you to wait a little bit until the it's kind of played out a little bit more. And you also know that like as a manager, if you're on the, on the cut line for the playoffs, you're like, okay, this is my last chance to upgrade my team. And you know, if I don't think I have enough, maybe I'll make a trade that I wouldn't have made three, four weeks ago, because I feel that pressure coming on me. And that's why you need to be staying active, particularly when you're, when you're up in your league, like if you're, if you're fighting for a first round buy, like go for, go look at that team that's in eighth place and is looking at two teams in front of them for the final playoff spot. And just throw someone out there to him and be like, hey, listen, like you need two wide receivers. Like I got two good ones on my bench here. You know, just toss me your toss me your top running back. Like, and if they're, you know, if the receivers you're giving them are good and they can both play and they would both be legitimate upgrades, and then maybe they have a little bit of depth at running back, like maybe that's a trade that they'll do, even if they weren't inclined to do it a couple of weeks ago. So keep uh keep at it. Make sure you're paying attention. Don't just take the first offer that comes your way. And just know that as the trade deadline gets closer, you know, that's when you can really scarf up good value on these players that are going to set you up to make that championship run at the end of your season. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that. I mean, I think kind of the moral of your story right there is like, trust your football knowledge, right? Like we all love fantasy, but we also love football too. So like take advantage of when you're watching games, pay attention to defensive injuries, like you said too. That's huge, huge, huge. Um, so I definitely agree with that. Uh, what's happening around the league. Um, so those are all great points. And, you know, don't don't be afraid uh, to gamble, like you said too. Like you go all in on guys that you, you know, but it's, you're going all in because you're watching the NFL. You're you're there. You're you're there on Sundays. You're watch maybe not just catching red zone. You're you're watching the the full Thursday night game or Monday night game or something. Really getting a good good idea how you know what some of these dynamics these teams are are, are playing. I think that really puts you ahead of your your competition in the league if you're if you're really taking that next level approach. So I like that like that a lot. And um, you know, last thing you said there too, like don't be afraid to send an offer that may may seem unfavorable if you're like really bullish with it like it's redraft for a reason like it's either in or you're out right so I, I do like that approach um so yeah so you know if you got you know i think we pose a question on that on our, on our large uh facebook group you can you know tweet to us as well um you know if you got some other pointers you know we'd love you know find you know find us on there i know some of you out there are tuning into our show just from that facebook group as well but yeah any anyway on social media if you want to give out a trade trick um you know we're here uh, obviously if you don't want to you don't want to help your your league mates but if we want to spread the knowledge just overall football fantasy knowledge on the show too that you're more more than welcome yeah absolutely and we've been expanding in social media and i mentioned it last week that we're partnered with the fantasy football advice dash experts gurus and beginners on facebook the largest fantasy football group on facebook so that's uh that's been a really fun couple of weeks with us to interact with a lot more fans and answer some questions, share some of our content and just kind of help people out. Like, you know, the, with having all this knowledge and all this experience, like the best thing you can do with it is give back to people that, that also love the game of football and, and love the game of fantasy. And that's been a really fun to interact with so many, so many fun people from different walks of life and in different parts of the, of the country and the world. So we're uh, looking forward to continuing to have a presence there. And, uh, you know, if you have some, some questions for us, like don't be afraid to leave us a voicemail recording and we'll, uh, we can work that out. Maybe we'll play it on the show. So that's, uh, something to keep in mind for us and you know if you have those questions keep them coming our way we're uh it's gonna be a really fun season it goes fast when it gets here so enjoy this build-up time while while it's here i agree i agree so um you know that kind of you know i think we we got to talk and we we've kind of really dove into redrafts you know we've talked dynasty um i think you know one really really exciting thing and, and something to announce and i know we'll, we'll keep announcing it throughout the week too is we got we got college football around the corner too so we have a fun you know great announcement that we got a special guest next week to bring bring the heat with some college picks um so that should be fun and i know out uh, a lot of your dynasty managers out there it's especially fun to watch especially if you want to you know if you're 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 anticipating a you know a first round pick in the the, the 23 23 pick uh with that loaded class too so it's going to be fun talking to some of the leaders in in college from that respect but too just um, just also expanding our, our, our reach to, to college football and kind of getting everybody hyped there. So tune in next week, too. We're going to switch gears a little bit to talk a little college football and get a little more exposure in that realm, too. Um, but, yes, un until next time, I guess in the famous words of Cam Captain Carmen, peace.